Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. Got a full house for you tonight. You know, typically you would hear my voice and the voice of our quarterback guru, the man who is uh, definitely a sucker for any type of free merchandise. That would be Mr. Stephen Hamner, and I am Eric Henry, uh, uh, co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty. But we've got a special guest in the house, uh, kind of going heavy on the uh, SB Nation content, but he's a friend of the podcast. He was a friend of, po- a friend of the podcast. He'll be a friend of your guys as well. My guy, Joe Broback. You can find Joe on Twitter at J-O-E-B-R-O-B-A-C-K. Uh, he's the host of a fine college ball podcast in addition to the other college ball podcasts that are out there. His is named CFB with JB. That's a very unique and creative name on the part of one Joe Broback. You can find his work at Underdog Dynasty and at SixthYearSports.com. Uh, before we get to Steve, Joe, welcome to our humble abode, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate the invite. I, I think you kind of just invited yourself. How did that work? I, I, I was not in the loop on this one. Did you invite yourself? I just asked the questions. That's all. <laughs> I invited him. I'm, I'm a good, you know, I'm a good host. Uh, you know, I'm welcoming. So it makes people want to come on when I invite them, Eric. So it's a good thing you didn't ask. We probably got turned down. Uh, <laughs> no, I, hey, Joe, I, I can absolutely speak to this. Steve is a phenomenal host, man. When, when, he, uh, when he used to live nearby me an hour away, man, there, there was, you know, Fine, you know, bourbon or cigars, you know, cigars I know how to smoke. That's a story for another time that we can laugh about on the podcast. <laughs> um, but Steve is a fine host. So, yeah, I'm glad he uh, sent out the invite. As I said to you guys off here, I just ate my weight in chicken wings. So uh, if, if I happen to fall asleep and, you know, either Broback or Steve's doing the, the outro, um, enjoy it, fellas. So <laughs> with, uh, without further ado, let's go and jump into uh, tonight's podcast. We're going to start with a question that Joe uh, posed to us. One that is not necessarily specific to group of five football, but, you know, it's a quarterback show. We're going to talk about quarterbacks in general. Mr. Broback led with this. Um, one question he wants to ask for both of us tonight. Who are, the t- uh, who are our top five quarterbacks in CFB this year? Joe, you're the guest. We'll let you lead first, and I'll kick it around from there. Oh, I get to answer my own question first. Okay, I see how yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, you got to participate, man. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I think the you know the top two that everybody's going to debate are Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler. You can put one at one and one at two, and I I don't think you're going to get you're probably going to get debate, but I don't think there's a wrong choice there. Uh, three, this might be a little biased. Uh, Derek King is my third. Uh, I think at his peak, there's really not much anybody can do to stop him. Uh, even against we saw against Clemson, he could make plays. Number four, I'm going Dylan Gabriel. I think as long as he's in the right system, which we'll see what Gus Malzahn does with him, but I think he's the fourth best. And then I struggled with five because I want to put Malik Willis in there from Liberty. I think he's a game changer. But I think DJ Uyagalele out of Clemson, I think he's going to be super good. Um, Maybe not Trevor Lawrence good, but we saw what he could do against Notre Dame, and I, I like what I see out of him. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to jump in. Um, yep. So let me go before I give kind of mine and, and I had like eight or nine, which I got to, I got to cut down. No surprise there. Um, DJU. So I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm not even going to try to, you probably did a good job. So I'm just going to call him DJU. Uh, I, d- I doubt he's listening to the podcast. So I think he's, I think we're okay using, using that. Um, so I think he very well could be a top five guy by the end of the season, but I kind of made the list. Uh, going into the season, right? The, the guys that have performed already. So while he did do well against Notre Dame, I think it's still, there's still some speculation 
into that. And while he probably will be a top five guy and probably a first round pick in two years, uh, my list was a little bit different. DJU was not on the list. Um, I didn't have uh, King on the list as well uh, either. He, he made the top 10, uh, but I don't think I put him in, in the top five category, but that's definitely an argument that uh, I think you could convince me in doing. So some of the guys I have on the list, Sam Howell and Spencer Rattler, like you said, were, were kind of the top two. Uh, Malik Willis is my dude. That's number three. Um, and then a few other guys I had that are in the top eight, which I still haven't cut down yet. Maybe that can help me. I had Brock Purdy, Carson Strong, Matt Corral from Ole Miss, JT Dallas from Georgia, and I should have said Brock Purdy from Iowa State, Carson Strong from Nevada, and then Dylan Gabriel, UCF, and, and Desmond Ritter, uh, Cincinnati. And, and some of that is still speculation. JT Dallas only played four or five games. Uh, Desmond Ritter came on hot at the end of last season, so you kind of want to see how he's going to do uh, in 2021. Um, but I think, it's, I, think, I think it's safe to put Malik Willis in the top five because I think he's going to be a first-round pick. Um, and, and I like Brock Purdy, and I really like Carson Strong, too. Uh, I, I would put him in number five as well. So we technically, in, in my list, I've got two non-power five guys in the top five. Also not featured from Steve's expound, you know, <laughs> list that is uh, ever expounding. Ken Dorsey and Adrian McPherson. Uh, I heard that those guys are going to make the list next. Um, uh, Ken Dorsey had a good supporting cast around him, so he, does, he doesn't get on the list, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will choose to answer ProMax question with a list of five, <laughs> not, not the, uh, the 20 that Steve gave. Uh, we're going to go with. I'm just giving my guy a hard time, man. You can tell I, I miss him. I miss him being around the corner. Um, I'm going to go with Dylan Gabriel. This is in no particular order, by the way, when I emphasize this. I'm going to go with Dylan Gabriel. Uh, I also am a fan of DJU, as Steve referred to him as, DJ uh, Ui Galele. I, I know I butchered that one as well. By the way, Steve, when you said that you know he's not listening, I'm going to tell you from personal experience, learn. Yeah, the podcast is, is always heard. I, I, uh, there was a certain Conference USA head coach I thought may not have been listening to a, a podcast that I said once upon a time, and uh, I found out the hard way he was. Um, <laughs> the next one I'm going to go with, who I'm actually a fan of, is Carson Strong from Nevada. Yes. I, I, think, I think he's due for a, a really good year. I, I also um, was torn on this one, but I'm going to go back and say Malik Willis. I know I, I was surprised last week, Steve, when you said that he may be a first-round pick uh, in an upcoming draft, but – I just went back and, and kind of looked over the games that I saw him in live in person and, and he's the real deal. And I do agree. That's a great system with Hugh Freeze. I mean, Hugh Freeze is one of the best play callers in all of college ball. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Spencer Rattler. I, I think that, you know, yes, I'm, I'm showing a little bit of bias at QB one. It's the second QB one quarterback I've gone there with my fourth quarterback and last but not least Sam Howell, North Carolina. Yeah. I, th I think, I think it's safe to say as of now, like, this year's class, this 2020 class, 2021 now NFL draft class, was much heavier than what next year's class uh, is, go is right now going into the season, right? Is that fair to say? As far as like, quality and depth goes? Go ahead, Broback. Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. I'd say, um, you know, last year we were, or this year, whatever, we we're talking Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wills, and Justin Fields. And it's kind of like the top three. And those are very, very top three elite guys. And this year, I think Spencer Rattler can be just as good as them. Maybe not Trevor Lawrence, um, but he has the talent and he just makes throwing the ball look so effortless. Sam Howell is just like solid. I don't think he does anything flashy. So I don't think he gets enough credit um, that he deserves. But then after that, I, I mean, I don't think there's as ton as the ceiling might not be as high, but there's definitely a lot of depth. Uh, even like Miles Brennan and Keaton Slovis are guys that are going to be solid this year too. 
you can even go all the way down to Hank Bachmeyer, uh, you know, Michael Penix out of Indiana too. Sure. There's a, I think there's a lot of guys that are solid, which I don't, I don't know if we really saw that coming into this past year. Um, so I think we have more depth this year. The ceiling just might not be as high. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, I'll agree. I mean, I just piggyback with you off of what Joe said. Big Michael Penix Jr. fan here, the pride of Tampa Bay Tech High School here in yeah. Tampa, Florida. Um, and, and Steve, to your question, I agree. I think a lot of these quarterbacks that we're hearing right now in terms of the NFL draft, listen, something I am not a fan of is, you know, we put a priority on the quarterback position, rightfully so, arguably the most important position in sports, but I'm not just going to push a guy up there because I may need one, right? Like if I'm not fully sold that I have a game changer at quarterback, I'm not drafting a quarterback. And I think what happens every year, but especially, you know, in this year, maybe you can say is that there are certain guys maybe climbing up the draft board. I, I don't remember. I, I saw Mel Kuyper's last draft board. I think it was earlier today. And there was something like five or six quarterbacks in the first round. And, and just in, in, in my you know uh, opinion, um, there's only two or three of those guys I'd really be sold on. So I do agree with you in terms yep. of the fact that, uh, next year may be the stronger uh, draft class as far as that's concerned. But we'll go ahead and transition to our Twitter questions that we got. Uh, first question that we have up right here is, and I will pose this to both Steve and Joe. I'll lay off of this one. What do we both, what do we think about Preston Stone and Tanner Mordecai? Is it the most interesting quarterback battle of the group of five conferences? Uh, Joe, go ahead. How about it? I think it's it's interesting because I feel like both are they're very different quarterbacks. Preston Stone's more of a dual threat, can do a lot with his legs, but he's also a capable passer. Uh, and then Tanner Mordecai, I know you guys have talked about him. You know, he's coming from Oklahoma. We're not really sure what we're getting with him because he didn't play a ton in Oklahoma. Now he did get some time. Um, I'm just excited that he gets an opportunity to play. Uh, and you know, he joins, he's joined by other Oklahoma transfer, Grant Calcaterra, uh, the tight end who I think is going to fit really well on that offense. Uh, really whichever one of them wins the competition is, is really set up for success because they're loaded at the skill positions. Uh, you know, Ulysses Bentley is almost rushed for a thousand yards last year. Reggie Roberson is back, Rishi Rice, and then Calcaterra, like I mentioned, uh, the only one, the only quarterback battle in the G5 that I think would rival that is Hank Bachmeyer and Jack Sears at Boise State, just because both of them have experience from last year. Uh, and with Bachmeyer's health uh, being a concern, I think that one's going to be one where it's going to come all the way down to week one before they maybe make a decision, maybe even further into the season from there. But I think those two are the top two, and I don't think anybody else is really that close. Yeah, that's a, a... – to piggyback off what you said, I agree that regardless who wins the SMU job, they're going to be in good hands. There's going to be quality quarterback play. And that, some of that's speculation, but I, I think both guys are good quarterbacks. And if you look at SMU's history of quarterback play, they low-key have been pretty spoiled with good quarterback play. Obviously, Shane Bouchelle, but even before him, Ben Hicks, until his, his last year there, was a pretty good quarterback. And then you had some stuff and quarterbacks in between, but before that you had Garrett Gilbert and, and Kyle Padron. So you had a bunch you've, – you've had the past decade, SMU's had really good quarterback play. Um, and so I think regardless who wins here, uh, they're going to have – there's not going to be a big drop-off. And, and, and if there is um, – like you said, they have talent around whoever wins that they're going to be able to kind of help that drop off. Uh, it's, it's interesting just being in Texas, SMU fans are just fired up. Uh, like they're so pumped for, for, for Preston Stone and Tanner Mordecai. Uh, they're like, I, I was talking to an SMU junkie yesterday, which um, 
I didn't know still existed, but I guess they do. And, um, <laughs> and he was just like so fired up about both quarterbacks. Uh, I, his biggest concern is, is someone going to transfer and in this day and age, potentially so. Um, but, but like, like Joe said, Regardless who wins, it's gonna, there's not going to be a big drop off. Even if there's a drop off, uh, he has a good. They're going to have a good surrounding cast around him to, to help them. And I think that's a good. I didn't even think about Boise State. That's a good comparison. Uh, just with because Preston Stone, four star, Tanner Mordecai, former four star, who you know the only quarterbacks he lost out against were NFL quarterbacks. Uh, so it wasn't like he lost out to any slouch. So I think that experience probably puts him ahead, and just being under Lincoln Riley probably puts him ahead going in. Just because it puts him ahead doesn't mean I necessarily think he's going to win the job. He just has an advantage of being in a college system that Preston Stone does not have. Uh, but talent-wise, I mean, it's up in the air. It's going to be fun for us to sit back and just see how the competition plays out. Two quick points I want to hit on here. One, SMU fans, send your hate tweets to at Stephen Hamner. That is S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. Secondly, uh, as far as interesting quarterback battles, I, one that I would posit is Arkansas State. I know we've talked a lot about Logan Bonner, Lane Hatcher. Now we've got Lane Hatcher, James Blackman, and especially considering the fact they have a new head coach in there, one that is not yeah, – I, I shouldn't say not loyal. That, that's probably that's too strong. But one that didn't recruit Lane Hatcher. It would be interesting to see with him bring in someone in James Blackman how that quarterback battle will play out. And for Hatcher, he's been in battles basically his entire career. So it should be interesting to see how that one plays out. I uh, want to go and transition here. Uh, Steve, you think we um, can fit this one in here, maybe a, a, another minute or so on Dylan Gabriel, or you should go and transition to, say, the quarterback room? What do we think, sir? Um, Joe, do you have anything to add to Dylan Gabriel? Gus, do you want to touch on anything? Well, I think if you look at what Malzahn did with Jared Stidham when he was there, I think that he has the ability to – cater his offense towards Gabriel. I mean, he'd be kind of stupid to not do that. Um, you know, he has a guy coming in and Mikey Keene, that's going to be more what he's looking for in terms of like a dual threat, but Gabriel's also an underrated athlete. I don't think we talk about that enough. So I think that they can do that. He Melzon has shown that he can do that with a quarterback. That's more of a passer instead of a runner. But I think we forget that Gabriel can run the football too. Yeah, no, he, he definitely can. I just think though know, he's best used whenever he's, uh, like a point guard, he's distributing the ball and he's getting guys in space. Um, and to your point about Stidham, I think Stidham played well, even though that wasn't the best system for him too. He, he was, they were limited and pushed the ball downfield. And, um, and so if Stidham was in the kind of more uh, an offense that they spread the field a bit more, that probably would have played to him. But you're right, he, they, he did find success still. And I think I won't harbor it too much because we've spent a lot of time in past episodes. But I think Gus Malzahn is smart enough to know what Gabriel is good at and implement what he's good at with the players around him uh, as opposed to trying to make Gabriel fit into just one specific um, scheme. Yeah. Gabriel's the best passer that he's had for sure. As a head coach, I should say, I don't know who he's had. I have to look back at who he's had as an OC, but as a head coach, Gabriel's easily the best passer that he's had. Do your guys' points about Dylan Gabriel's athleticism, I think part of the reason that uh, it doesn't get the credit that it deserves is because it was following Mackenzie Milton, who Mackenzie Milton, that you want to talk about probably one of the top dual threat quarterbacks in the nation. I think that's part of the reason why, you know, at least in terms of UCF fans' perspective, I can speak, uh, you know, to that audience and say that when you're coming off of a guy like that who would rush for 60, 70, 80 yards a game, it appears as if it's a drop-off. But 
All right, touched on that question. We'll go ahead and transition to the meat of today's episode, or tonight's episode, I should say, as we're taping in the evening in both of our time zones, or all three of our time zones, I should say. State of the quarterback room per conference. This is kind of a part two of a conversation uh, that Steve and I had last week. So once again, I'm going to play point guard, try to let Steve and Joe have at it here. We, we talked about you know, kind of ranking each conference in terms of what we thought amongst the G5 ranks and the quarterback rooms and you know maybe what they may have in terms of quality of players returning and uh, players around them and things of that nature. But go ahead and, go ahead and jump right into it. I uh, want to start with the American. I'll start with Steve on this one. I'll let you uh, uh, have at it from here. And so so here, here's what I'm thinking that, that we'll do. I'm just going to kind of uh, name a few points, Joe and Eric, and then whatever points kind of stick, we want to roll with us, just tackle those points, you know, before we move on to, to different conferences. I think each conference has, has interesting points. So some of the big things I took away from the American is I think you could make the argument that they have the two best quarterbacks in all of G5. Now, while I might not necessarily think that is true because I'm big on Carson Strong, the argument can be made for Desmond Ritter and Dylan Gabriel. So two of the best quarterbacks in all group of five. With that said, there's a lot of turnover in the conference. We'll have six or seven quarterback competitions. Uh, a storyline I kind of want to follow is can Holton Ayler take the next step with ECU? Can Michael Pratt build on his freshman year at Tulane? And then the transfers. Is every transfer going to start that they're transferring in the American? So we have Jaron Williams at South Florida. We have Dwayne Mathis at Temple. We have Grant Gunnell at Memphis. And then we have, of course, Tanner Morkai at SMU, which we already touched on. So those are kind of the big points. Uh, Joe, Eric, I if, if there's one that sticks out we want to kind of go over but I feel like those are broad points and if there's any points I missed let's go ahead and jump in that as well I'll jump in on Ehlers because I've been every year I'm like this is the year that Holton Ehlers takes the next step I mean he threw for 500 plus yards on Cincinnati's secondary and that's a that's a squad that has a ton of NFL draft talent on the backside there so you don't just throw for 500 yards against them I, I don't know if anybody's even gotten close to that against Cincinnati since then but it feels like I don't know what it is if it's the consistency that's just not following but we've seen what the ceiling can be which is terrifying and he has the receivers do it but I just don't know why he can't take that step so for one more year I'm waiting for Holden Nailers to finally get on on the bandwagon with me and move on to the next step because that ECU team honestly I think if they offensively can figure it out if Ehlers can take the next step and even defensively, I, I'm watching their film right now, and it's a lot of just, like, minor mistakes that lead to big plays for other teams. So I think defensively, too, like, they can be a team that's dangerous, but it all starts with Ehlers because in the end, if your quarterback's not playing big in big games consistently, then it really doesn't matter. Yeah. I'll, let me jump in real quick before, Eric, you touch on that because – ECU and Ehlers hurt me real bad this year. I, I had a, a large amount of money on them against Georgia State, and they're the favorites by one. I thought it was like, <sighs> and just got smoked. Uh, like three interceptions, one was a pick six. So I have some beef with Ehlers, but I, 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 I think you're right. The consistency has been his biggest thing. Consistency has been his biggest thing. The talent's there. He can throw it all in the field. Decent athlete, right? He can, he can use his legs when he needs to. Um, but consistency is, is his biggest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm refraining from cracking a joke on as far as Steve's uh, his beef with Holden Naylor's there. Uh, as far as Michael Pratt goes, uh, that's who I want to touch on. I, I'll be intrigued to see how that situation plays out. You know, I, I think it's – we'll have to see as far as how he adapts – excuse me, 
Mm. Sorry about that. I got a little frog caught in my throat. I have to see how, he, how he'll adapt to the new offensive coordinator. I had a chance to see Tulane play in person twice, and I love the Will Hall system. I think he's going to do wonders with that at, at almost at Ole Miss. I think he's going to do wonders with that at Southern Miss. Love the way he incorporates kind of like it's got RPO principles, but it's not quite RPO based. I love the way he incorporates a tight end. Um, definitely want to see how, how Michael Pratt will fare in the new offensive system at Tulane. Uh, Steve, cool if we go to the next conference being Conference USA? Yes, yes. All right. Yeah, I'll let... You're dying to get there. You're dying to get... No, no, no. Like I said, I'm, I'm just passing the ball let's, tonight. Let's skip, to... let's skip that conference. Let's we skip, can, skip, we can skip move CUSA. on. Skip CUSA. Yeah, the CUSA Eric gets enough. The, the CUSA way, baby. The CUSA way. Shout out to the folks over there in Frisco. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, Joe, I'll let you go and uh, lead up. I let uh, Steve lead off this time, so um, uh, you go ahead and take it away. Oh, man. Yeah, there's just so much unknown with this conference, which makes it tough because uh, I think even like the Sun, you know, the Sun Belt and the Mac, too, there's just the information that you can find, unless you're like an insider there, it's really tough to find. Uh, the biggest one I think you guys kind of talked about it last week is Charlotte's quarterback battle uh, with Foster and Reynolds there. I'm really intrigued to see because I really like Reynolds, but I think that they're going to give Foster a legit chance to compete there. Um, so I think that's the biggest one that I'm interested in, uh, because I think Charlotte is definitely on the rise right now. Their stock is definitely trending up. So I'm curious to see how the quarterback battle plays out and then how it continues throughout the season. Yeah, I think, uh, so Charlotte, Charlotte's one of my kind of biggest quarterback competitions I'm looking forward to as well. And all, all the group of five, just cause, uh, like the listeners know me and Eric are, are high on Chris Reynolds. You like Chris Reynolds, but the same time they didn't bring James Foster just to sit on the bench right for two years behind Chris Reynolds so there's definitely going to be competition there and Chris Reynolds if we're touching on that has a few things in his corner he's already beaten out uh two transfers back-to-back years to get the starting job so in his mind he's like hell yeah let's do it again uh but it's a little tougher than that I think James Foster is probably the most talented of all those transfers coming in my biggest takeaway with Conference USA is I, I literally think there's only four-ish, like four returning starters. Uh, so there's literally like eight or nine quarterback battles going on right now. Um, I say quarterback battles. I think we assume uh, Bailey Zappi is going to win the job at Western Kentucky. We assume uh, uh, Hawkman is going to win the job at, at, at Middle Tennessee, but still a quarterback battle is nonetheless. So I think looking at that high quarterback turnover is an interesting thing as well. And then this might be, I'm putting Eric on the spot right now. Um, Eric, th- this is going to be the first year. I know you want to jump into kind of what we just said, but this kind of just hit me. This will be the first year I think Conference USA doesn't have a quarterback drafted or even sign an undrafted free agency, an undrafted free agent deal. And as long as I can remember, as long as I've been kind of keeping track with this, is that is that one? Is that true? And then two, can you remember the last time that happened with Conference USA? Because we, we had James Morgan, um, and then you know two years before that we had. Uh, other the other quarterback for FIU and uh, Louisiana Tech Jeff Driscoll before that so we've had a string of quarterbacks drafted up until I think this year the second part of your question you're probably going back at least till a time in which I wasn't covering the league because I know again you got James Morgan you um uh, the 2019 um you had a corp you, yeah 2018 2017 20 yeah um as I mean and, and you said you end up in camp so yeah you're going back at least till a time that I um, before I was covering the league. Uh, what was the first part of your question again, Steve? Uh, I, that, what was the first part of the question? I don't even know if I had a first part of the question. Uh, sorry, I, I thought that was a two-part question. So so there's that. 
Um, before I chime in, I want to run one thing by you or ask you, you a question, see, put you on the spot really quickly. So you cannot take Frank Harris. You cannot take Grant Wells. Give me three quarterbacks that you feel, if you had to bet a significant amount of money in Conference USA, wow. that will perform well enough to be considered maybe an all-conference performer, uh, just of all the battles you mentioned. I'm just yeah. curious. Didn't we just learn that Steve's not good with betting his money, or are we moving on from that? Well, the thing is, <laughs> I will be betting a significant amount of money this year in Conference USA, in every conference, let me say. I hope my wife's not listening to the podcast. But um, – <laughs> I, I think I think Bailey Zappi right off the bat, someone we both talked about. But I, I I think he has NFL potential, right? Not not like first round pick or even a pick, but potential to be in camp if he has a big year this year. Um, he he would be my number one all conference. I think it was, even though we've talked about Chris Reynolds uh, being the quarterback competition, I think he actually was second team all conference USA in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, that might be something you want to, that we need to look up, but I'm pretty sure he was all comp, second team all conference um, in uh, 2019. So I think that he's also has a legit uh, a legit case to make him be a potential all conference quarterback. Uh, and man, the, the third guy um, that's tough. Uh, third guy, third guy, third guy that's in the quarterback battle. You know what? Let's just go ahead and say Bailey Hawkman. Um, just because I don't know, and I'm just gonna guess right there. I, I don't have a good th- third answer. We, we could say UTEP's guy, but I don't think they're gonna throw enough, and uh, I don't think they're gonna be in enough games either. So, um, so yeah. So quickly, Steve um, Asher O'Hara was the second team quarterback of Conference USA. Just to quickly piggyback off off what you guys said, the battles that I'll be watching, quite frankly, are the ones in Florida, FAU. All the pieces are around for FAU and Willie Tiger to win. Uh, the East, if not the conference, if they can just find a quarterback, Michael Johnson, Jr., Javian Posey, uh, Nick Tronti, last year's primarily last year's uh, starting quarterback returns and Florida international, just because there's a strong possibility that we could see a freshman, uh, whether that's a redshirt freshman, Hayden Carlson or a true freshman, Grayson James. Uh, I think Kalen Wiggins, I think you may have seen enough as far as, you know, what he's done over the past two years, not to say that he can't improve over the spring. We'll see what happens as far as that's concerned. And then Max Bortenschlager, you know, uh, the Maryland transfer who uh, certainly didn't get much of a spring last year, but the coaches are so high on him. But like I said, could still see a freshman come out of CU, uh, out of FIU. So definitely keep an eye on that. Let's go and transition to the Sun Belt. Steve, have at it. What you got? So this is another mass say it's about every conference, another conference I'm really excited for. But my biggest takeaway here, and there, there are several, I think last year they, they were one of the best uh, quarterback, they had the best, one of the best quarterback plays in all of uh, group of five as far as conference goes. I think you can make the argument going to the spring that they're the second best um, quarterback conference in group of five. However, here, here's one of my, my interesting stats right now. Every school in the Sun Belt had a power five quarterback transfer in except Georgia state and coastal Carolina. And of those eight transfer or of those, um, yeah, of those eight transfers, six or seven will be competitions. And of those six or seven competitions, four or five of those schools uh, are returning their starters, including South Alabama is uh, with uh, Jake Bentley starting uh, competing with Desmond Trotter. We have Ty Evans with Brady McBride. Um, just, just two off the top of my head. And then, uh, but it's just interesting that so many power five quarterbacks transferred there and that we still are going to see different battles. Even Troy had the transfer from, from Missouri. Um, and so there, there's a lot of quality quarterbacks coming in. Um, and there's going to be some healthy competition with already kind of seated starters. That's going to be kind of a, a fun and a interesting 
uh, storyline for all of Sunbelt football this year. Yeah, I think it's weird. Well, it's interesting because Grayson McCall was probably arguably the best quarterback in the Sun Belt last year, which we didn't – no one no one saw coming. We No one saw them doing what they did last year. Um, I think Chase Bryce going to Appalachian State was surprising because they already transferred to Duke last year, and then it didn't go very well. But then again, Duke football isn't exactly thriving right now, so I'm not super surprised. But I am interested to see how he does – in that offense, you know, he has, there's some good talent around him where he can be successful. Um, and I, maybe, maybe a change of scenery is what he needed. Brady McGride is probably the most interesting quarterback to me in this conference, just because it felt like even though Texas state was two and 10, I felt like they were very close to even going 500. There are a lot of games that I felt like they were just on the cusp of breaking through, but they just couldn't do it. Uh, even the UTSA game was a thriller. That one was really fun to watch. And I think as, if he can figure out how to control the turnovers, he's going to be super dangerous in that conference. Agree. We, we like McBride. Yep. I like that. One that I wanted to just jump on really quick, really quick right there is Texas State with Jake Spavitaw. Uh, I think a game that I have circle on my schedule is FIU and Texas State. Texas State comes to Miami. The reason I have that specific game circled is I think piggyback off what Joe Broback said I had to go back and as I was kind of doing my schedule preview of you know for FIU I didn't even realize they were two and ten because I saw a handful of games that they looked to be really competitive in I know uh, you know Steve you and I talked about that opener again uh that's or maybe it wasn't open it might have been week two SMU and UTSA that was week one and week two yep okay yeah yeah so yeah two games back to back they're really competitive so then I looked up I was like wait a minute they went two and ten were they that bad no they weren't they just you know a young team that's trying to figure out how to win ball games for FIU a team uh, and a uh, Butch Davis coach is on his final year of his contract. And we've seen the success that they've had, but coming off a winless year uh, that's week two for both of those teams. I think that's a game that could send their 2021 schedule, both going in opposite directions, depending on you know how it plays out and who wins and who loses. So to piggyback off that, I absolutely am interested in Brady McBride. If he is the guy at Texas state this year and how that uh, will work out. Let's go ahead and transition to the mountain West, Steve, uh, what you got up? Yeah, so the Mountain West, as anyone that listened to last week, I think they've got the number one group of five quarterback conference going into the spring. Uh, someone we've talked about before, and Carson Strong, Hank Bachmeyer, even maybe Nick Starkle could all be potential NFL guys at some point. Uh, and, of course, Nick Starkle needs another big year with, with San Jose State. But still, you you got NFL caliber quarterbacks there. Uh, there there's a few kind of unknowns in, in the Mountain West at the quarterback position. I know Wyoming and see if Sean Chambers can come back from his injury. And then we have Utah State has one of the most interesting battles. Logan Bonner finds himself in another quarterback battle with Andrew Peasley, who showed some decent things last year. Uh, another interesting kind of tidbit is I, I think they only had the Mountain West has only had one, two transfers. I'm sorry, I've only had two transfers come in. Uh, quarterbacks that have come into to the Mountain West. That's Utah State and San Diego State. San Diego State had a transfer from uh, Mississippi State. So I think it's interesting as there have been so many transfers in every other conference. Mountain West only had two. Um, but w w with that said, there's already a lot of solidified starters there. And so it's seeing can they take the next step and can they you know potentially be NFL quality guys? I think they can be. Yeah, I like I like this conference too. When you at first I didn't think about it much, but when you guys mentioned that you thought this was the best conference in the G five for quarterback play, and I actually like looked at it and I, I think I agree here. I mean, you said the American, you can make the argument that they have the top two QBs, uh, but this one just has more depth. Uh, if 
I really hope Hank Bachmeyer can stay healthy because that kid took more hits than I think anybody in college football. James Blackman's probably second there and he's in, at Arkansas state now. Uh, but then you look at Carson strong and Nick Starkle and, and both of them are solid as well. So, you know, there's plenty of talent to go around um, and it'd be really interesting to see, you know, like what does Logan Bonner do that? He's at a new program. I mean, Utah state was really bad. So can he elevate them to a new level? Um, even though this is the best conference, I think there's still plenty of intrigue and things that we don't know. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Absolutely. So we will go ahead and wrap this one up. Definitely a lot of good, a lot of good quarterback talk. Always happy to have my guy, Stephen Hamner with me, but especially happy to have our honored guest, Mr. Joe Broback. You can find him on Twitter at Joe Broback. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen Hamner. You can find this podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. You can also find us wherever your podcast listening uh, um, services, I should say, uh, on any various podcasting platform, but primarily on Apple iTunes. And Steve, really quickly, outside of YouTube, search QB Spotlight on YouTube. Where can you find this podcast? Also find us at, at, at Draft Diamonds on Twitter and then NFLDraftDiamonds.com. And then, of course, on Podbean. And we'll put the link below in the uh, description. The only way we can help this podcast grow is through your feedback. Please feel free to leave us your reviews on Apple iTunes or on me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. Thank you for listening, everyone. Happy football watching. And once again, Joe Broback, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me.